UK Cambridge Centre podcast. In this Integrated Cancer Medicine Research in Focus series, I talk to various ICM members about their research and how it is supported by the vision of the Mark Foundation Institute for Integrated Cancer Medicine. MFICM research uses cutting-edge analytics to maximise the use of diverse high-volume datasets and by capturing cancer heterogeneity in time and space in patients receiving active treatment. Integrated Cancer Medicine aims to transform the way the world treats cancer by affecting patients along their treatment pathway and ultimately accelerate cures. Today I have with me Dr Hugo Ford, Elaine Chapman and Professor Jean Abraham to talk about the progress of the Cambridge Cancer Research Hospital, what will be integrated into the new building and how it will impact both researchers and clinicians who will work there and also the patients who will be treated in the new hospital. Hugo Ford is Consultant Medical Oncologist and the Director of Cancer Services at Adam Brooks Hospital. Elaine Chapman is Lead Advisory Nurse and Co-Production Lead for the Cambridge Cancer Research Hospital at Cambridge University Hospital's NHS Foundation Trust. Jean Abraham is Co-Leader of the Integrated Cancer Medicine Programme, Academic Honorary Consultant in Medical Oncology and Director of the Precision Breast Cancer Institute at the University of Cambridge. So thank you very much for joining me today. Hugo, perhaps could I start with you? Could you give me an outline of the Cambridge Cancer Research Hospital and why it's such an exciting project and also tell us what your role is in the project? The Cambridge Cancer Research Hospital is a new proposed hospital on the Cambridge Biomedical Campus, brought about really for two main reasons. The first one is that the current facilities that we have for the cancer patients on the campus are really over 20 years behind the time that they should have been updated and, and are pretty inadequate for looking after the numbers and the complexity of patients that we have to look after now. So purely in terms of creating a much better and safer environment for patients to be treated, and it's really important that we have a new and updated facility to do that. The second thing is that we really want to bring some of the unique aspects of the Cambridge academic and industrial environment to bear on solving some of the difficult problems in cancer. Cambridge has some advantages which other medical schools and other uh, hospitals don't have with the proximity of Cambridge University and particularly Cambridge University's strengths in mathematics, in physical sciences and the environment around in terms of small biotech companies and big industrial partners potentially as well and what we really want to do is to focus all those people on some of the key problems in cancer looking particularly towards fulfilling some of the aspirations of the NHS long-term plan which was published a couple of years ago and the two things that we really wanted to focus on in that are the emphasis on early detection of cancer as probably the best and most cost-effective way to prevent some of the costs associated with cancer, both personal costs and financial costs further down the line. And then the emphasis on personalised medicine. And that ranges from having a much more holistic approach to managing people through the treatment for cancer and the diagnostic pathway to much more high-tech approaches to really individualising patient therapy. So the idea was we could bring these together in one building bring together the key partners, the clinicians, the nurses, the patients, uh, industrial partners, academics in one space, and hopefully build that into an engine which will drive some key advances in those areas. Thank you. And just briefly, what's your role in the project? 
Well, so I'm a medical oncologist myself, so I'm a, a doctor who treats cancer patients with chemotherapy. I've been what you might call the head of department for the, for the NHS side of the cancer of services at Edinburgh's for some time. This is a project which, along with others, I originally came up with some time ago, and, and I suppose I've been trying to keep it on people's agenda until such a time as money was available to actually build it. And at the moment, then, I suppose I would be the clinical lead. So I'd be the point person for the, for the NHS side of, of what goes in the cancer hospital. Elaine, can I come to you? Could you tell us what your current role is in the planning of the project? And from a clinical perspective, what will it mean for allied health professionals to have the Cancer Research Hospital? Yeah, sure. I came into the project in May time last year. And just for some context before that, I was the lead cancer nurse at Addenbrooke's Hospital. And I think through the relationships that I've built up during that time, I now work very closely with the clinical teams, including the nurses, allied healthcare professionals and other stakeholders to really think about this building and how we are going to make it operationally viable once we get there. So a lot of my time now is spent with different departments and different teams working out how we will flow through the building, how we will reach the objectives that we want to do, as Hugo's outlined. And for allied health professionals in particular, I think it's a really exciting opportunity for them and us to work together more to increase the holistic offer that we provide for patients. At the moment, I think we're very good at referring to allied health professionals when we know that there is a direct outcome because of the cancer or the treatment itself. But we also know that many people living with cancer are affected in many different ways during their cancer journey and pathway. That might be psychologically, it might be physically. And within this building, we are looking to put those provisions of services in. So it acts then really as a shop window for people. And they know that they can access support during their pathway and it doesn't always necessarily have to be so clinically led it might be that the patients themselves can say I can see this now and that's something I really think I need. It's a really exciting prospect. Yeah. Jean can I ask you how will the new building on the new hospital enable you to develop both the precision breast cancer unit and also the integrated cancer medicine vision? I think probably to start answering that, I think we need to think about how we've always thought about research and clinical work. I think what Hugo and Elaine and all the people involved in the new cancer research hospital are really trying to do is to put the patient's needs and the patient at the very centre of our research philosophy and to think about how the research that we do, including the basic research that we do, ultimately can be rolled out into changes in clinical care. And I think that's why having the early detection, the integrated cancer medicine and the Institute for Precision Breast Cancer Medicine in a clinical hospital is so critical. It is so that the patients can tell us what the questions are that are most important to them and so that we can focus our research to answer those questions. And not only are we trying to answer those questions for patients in Cambridge, we are trying to answer those questions in such a way that the output of our research can be shared, democratised and engage with people far beyond Cambridge, regionally, nationally, internationally. And I think having the research 
embedded in a clinical hospital is really critical to allow those two things to meet and not just be parallel streams that don't talk to each other. And I, I guess that for me is the essence of what the research institutes within that hospital are trying to do. And the piece about the statisticians, the bioinformaticians, the computer scientists, the chemists, brilliant ideas come when people who think about the same problem, think about it from different approaches. And that's really what that hospital is also trying to do, is to develop innovation by asking the question to different people and looking at it in different ways. Hugo, can I ask you, what stage are we at now? And what is the timeline for building the hospital? There are, there are three effective hurdles one has to jump through. There's something called a strategic outline case, which makes the broad case for the hospital. And we've completed that, and that's been approved by the Department of Health and uh, the new hospitals programme. The next stage, which we're just completing, is something called the outline business case, and that specifies exactly what's going to go into the hospital and effectively is initial architectural designs and more precise costing information. And that we're hoping to submit in June. If that is approved, and that will be contingent on us understanding really the costs of the hospital and where the money to pay for it is going to come from, then the next stage will be a full business case, and that takes 12 to 18 months to complete. And that involves procuring a constructor and, and getting much more detailed information about how the hospital will work. All being well, we would open in early 2026. Great. Elaine, how do you think it will change our ability to provide patient care and treatment having this new hospital? That's a great question. I think there's some really obvious benefits by having a co-located facility because at the moment our, our estate is quite old and it's spread out quite widely. Um, so I do think there is quite a lot of efficiencies around um, timeliness by having a lot of our services co-located in one building and some examples of that are things like ambulatory care so we've got a good ambition to increase patients rather than having to have inpatient stays to increase them to be able to have their treatment out in the community with clear access into beds when they need them and we're constrained around space for doing some of that work at the moment so that will help us to build that and then things like um, reducing length of stay by being able to have people closer together, teams closer together, we'll be able to get around the wards more swiftly and get people discharged more quickly home. And then also we've been thinking an awful lot around our digital approach as well. Talking with our patients, we know that a lot of them are travelling long distances in, so we're thinking about how we might be able to use digital in the future to remotely monitor people at home, but also thinking about how we can provide that provision out in the community as well. Just by having this project, it's opened up whole lots of other conversations about how this will be more efficient. So people coming in when they really need to, and because we can't provide that elsewhere, but also then building around what we can do in the community so that people don't have to be traveling long distances. So yeah, there, there's so many opportunities to improve patient experience um, around having that timeliness because of the co-location of the facilities. And I, I'm sure that Hugo and Jean will also touch on it. From our patient point of view, there is great excitement about greater integration of research. They know themselves and we see in our evidence that hospitals that are engaged 
in research see better outcomes for patients, better quality of care and lower mortality rates as well. So that's something that they really want to be front and centre. and They want to feel that confidence when they come through the building. Yeah, of course. Jean, can I ask you, you've alluded to it a little bit already, but from a research perspective, what will it mean to have researchers, clinicians and patients all under one roof? I think it's mostly about good communication. So we will be able to understand what the patient's questions and needs are and reflect that back to our researchers and focus their research appropriately. And then when there is something that is of interest, bring that back to the patients. And I think in a way that we weren't doing perhaps 20 or 30 years ago, patients are much more involved in the research that we do already, but to have them under one roof just makes it easier. I mean, we've all found during COVID that actually physical contact is incredibly important and physical conversations proximity uh, just as human beings is important and I think that's something that whilst we can all still use the sort of remote features that we've got used to now to to enable access and approaches where people don't feel comfortable having that uh, contact actually being in a room together and sharing that those thought processes and conversations there's no substitute for that in a way. So I suppose that's part of it. Part of it is also to help the scientists actually to understand the impact that they have. Just as for patients, sometimes it's hard to conceive of what the research is. If you're a bioinformatician, you're just churning data. Actually, the impact of your work isn't always that tangible and it gives you a different focus if you can come to clinic and actually see the impact that, that your work has. So it's, it's bilateral, it's iterative, and it should build for better questions and better ways to answer. Yeah, sure, thank you. How will the new hospital interact with the current cancer care provision at Addenbrooke's? Unfortunately, we haven't been able to move all cancer services into the hospital. Cancer surgery, for example, will continue to happen in the main hospital and they get fantastic outcomes from the surgeons that they have and the theatres they have, and that will continue to happen there. Radiotherapy will continue to happen in the radiotherapy department for the short term, although that we hope that it would move in due course over to, over to the same site. The cancer hospital will really have three key elements. So the first thing is new inpatient facilities, and that will be new wards for uh, oncology and haematology patients, bone marrow transplant and uh, other intensive therapy patients, and teenagers and young adults with cancer. Then there'll be day treatment units for giving effectively intravenous infusions and other treatments to those categories of patients. And then finally, there'll be an outpatient department, and that'll be focused on delivering all of our oncology and haematology outpatients plus multidisciplinary clinics, as well as new rapid diagnostics, one-stop type clinics for some cancers. So those will be the main areas. There'll be support in the form of imaging, CT, MRI scanners, uh, ultrasound scanners, x-rays and so on. And then uh, other sort of ancillary supporting features, pharmacy, psychological support. Perhaps you'd like to talk about what that means. Elaine? Yeah, I can talk about that because we're talking across a, a lot of teams and, and some of the staff that will come into the building for some time, they might also be concentrating on, on surgical pathways. And so it's really important that we engage with them so that they understand how the building works and if they are having joint clinics over there, you know, how that will work for them. And equally for the patients, I think it's really important because I think we need to be mindful that we don't end up with a 
to tier quality of service. So that's something I've been really mindful in the work that we're doing, that we can't have something that is aspirational in one element of the cancer pathway and then we find ourselves lacking in other elements of it. So I think it comes down to that relationship working and making sure that whilst we're thinking about elements of the pathway, how do we make sure that that patient experience and quality and those teams are supported in the same way across the whole of the campus? Sure, it needs to be a complementary experience across the whole system. Yeah, and I suppose that another good example is because some patients may not even come into this building at all because predominantly a lot of cancer is still treated surgically if you can remove it then that's your best chance of survival currently so so lots of people won't even come into this building so something like the holistic pathway we do really need to think about whilst we can have that shop front in this particular building but how are we going to plan that journey for people so that they can have access to that so is that via a digital link or is that having particular appointments for particular types of treatment they're having and also thinking around telemedicine so can we do teaching sessions etc for things like um, dietary advice or exercise for those people that are following those surgery pathways I think it goes back to really just making sure that we're really patient-centric about everything that we're thinking about and by doing that then we can make sure that we're not disadvantaging teams or patients across their cancer journey. And can I ask you all how will it interact with the other organisations situated on the biomedical campus? From the perspective of the research institutes, which is probably the perspective that I would tackle, what we would hope is that by having the embedded research institutes within the hospital, that that pathway to communication to, for for example, Cancer Research UK, Cambridge Institute, the MRC building and other institutes around the hospital that are more research focused would naturally feed in because the people working within the new hospital will already have developed and uh, existing relationships with the academic institutes. Similarly, there will be a component of, for example, AstraZeneca, who have their uh, headquarters here, will also have some team members within the hospital and I think that kind of embedding and again that sort of water cooler culture of conversation and ideas development will mean that the pathways to developing new ideas are much smoother and the conversations are easier to at least begin and pursue. Just to add to that so clearly in terms of patient pathways we would expect this to seamlessly integrate into services at Addenbrooke's and also at Royal Papworth Hospital, who will continue to do the lung cancer diagnostic and surgical procedures. So I think those clinical pathways, and that'll be aided, I think, by the same electronic patient record. And we will also need to think about and provide effectively outreach into the main hospital to ensure that we're still providing high quality services to people with cancer who are admitted into the main body of Addenbrooke's hospital, perhaps for other reasons or perhaps before their diagnosis becomes clear. So we'll be providing what's called an acute oncology service, effectively an oncology service to the main body of Addenbrooke's hospital as well to ensure that doesn't get missed out. Just to add a little bit to what Jean was saying about the innovation side, I mean, one of the proposals that we have is that people, for example, who might have an idea for a new device would be able to bring their idea into the hospital, perhaps talk to some of the clinicians, scientists within that environment, make sure that the 
the question that's being asked is an appropriate clinical question, coming back to what Professor Abraham was saying earlier, and then to perhaps iterate the development of that device within the cancer hospital to a point where it can be taken away and then developed for marketing or for further testing. So giving people a, a location where they can do their development in an environment where there are lots of people there with relevant expertise to help them. And we hope that will really accelerate the time it takes to get an idea through into something that actually is is there and available for patients potentially by up to three years. Oh that's exciting. So following on from that you've mentioned AstraZeneca are any of our other current industry partners involved in the project and do you have plans to involve other partners in the project current or future? Certainly in the integrated cancer medicine theme on two sides primarily and focused on slightly different tumour sites, we have two quite large industrial collaborators. GE Healthcare are collaborating with the ovarian team and the renal team to really focus on development of clinical decision tools that will be, we hope, embedded in our uh, clinical care pathways, or at least be available to do so. And similarly, the breast program and others are looking at working with NVIDIA and other commercial entities to, to develop probably more structural changes to the actual pathways that data is collected from, and then to look at how that's integrated together. And they're just our first set of partners. I think what we've really understood over the last few years is that Cambridge is incredibly good at developing good ideas has really talented people in the research and clinical environment who can bring those ideas into the clinical trials type setting. But the piece that is often missing is actually bringing that into standard of care and the NHS setting. And in order to do that, often there has to be some type of commercialization, whether that's through a company that's been developed internally or whether that's through a larger entity that exists already. And what Hugo was talking about just a second ago really aims to facilitate that aspect of it. You know, there is no point doing beautiful research and then it having no impact on patient care in real life. And so that is what we are trying to improve. Absolutely. Do either of the others have anything to add to that one? Well, I think that's exactly right. And there are also other key collaborations. So Cambridge also hosts the Eastern Genomic Laboratory Hub, which is one of um, seven national hubs covering about nine million people in terms of doing effectively all the genetic testing for that population. And one of the other key industrial partnerships we're talking about and looking at is with Illumina, who are a company who make the machinery and the equipment, if you like, that actually enables that sort of testing to be done at high volumes. And whether there's a a useful partnership to be had with them, we're certainly discussing that. But the GLH partnership is very important, I think, for the cancer hospital as we get into both precision medicine and potentially identifying people who may be at risk of cancer with other conditions. That'll be a key partnership for us. And just for our listeners, Hugo, GLH stands for? Genomic Laboratory Hub. Thank you. And then I wanted to ask you, what are the challenges and opportunities of a project like this? I realise that's a huge question. Elaine, do you want to give us your thoughts first? Yeah, I guess at ground level and something that I thought about even before coming into post is with the opportunity of a shiny new building, I think there is a risk that we can become the burden draining 
excellent staff from across the region. So we are working really closely with the region and with the Cancer Alliance and, and nationally, because we already recognise that there is skills and knowledge gaps and kind of recruitment issues for the cancer workforce. So, so really, I think we need to turn it on its head in some ways and think about this as an opportunity to provide the training and education that we need not just within this building but regionally and then working with our partners regionally thinking about honorary contracts posts apprenticeships those roles so people can come and get experience and and have some training that then they can go back and use in their own areas so that we're not a regional drain for everybody it's about um, having that relationship and, and sharing learning and becoming a hub for education and training that benefits not just us within Cambridge but also the east of England and you know potentially beyond we already see that in in some other institutes in England and I think that that is an opportunity for us to think about how we can increase the academic training for our clinicians including our AHPs and nurses. It's an interesting moment to stop and reassess the whole thing isn't it because it's such a massive event it kind of makes you think about the bigger picture across the board it's really interesting that. Hugo did you want to add anything to that? On a different note really so for me the project has had some really difficult and interesting challenges so the first challenge that we had was making the case for it to happen in the first place because there are an awful lot of places around the country that need investment in NHS clinical services and particularly since the financial crash of 2008-2009 there hasn't been very much capital around for building projects within the NHS so making a really strong strategic case that this was something that needed to be built has been quite challenging and, and that really involved taking not only these two arguments on the NHS side and the points which are really vital about patient safety and patient environment and so on but also getting the University of Cambridge to really commit to supporting this project because obviously the University of Cambridge has a reputation and influence beyond Cambridge and in fact internationally that's important for decision makers in London it's also important for the potential for fundraising to support the project. And then having done that, we needed to really focus down on what are the elements of this that would add value, that would really make that strategic case stand out. So as I said, we're talking about precision medicine, we're talking about early detection. And so we then had to pull that together into a vision which says, this is something which is a project which can deliver what is good for patients, what is good for science, and will deliver what the politicians want in terms of their stated strategy. And then finally, having done that and got this a green light to say, yes, that's fine. The next really challenging thing is keeping a lid on it, because the rate at which building inflation costs are going up, particularly in Cambridge, unfortunately we're just unable to give everybody everything that they would want you know we would love to build something two or three times the size that would be able to incorporate all the elements that we talked about but we cannot do that and make it affordable within what we think is the, is the amount of money that will be available so we've then had to really keep quite tight discipline around this is what we need to deliver this project and that's not to say it won't be fantastic because it will be but it is focused and it has to be focused and that means some things have to not be included and managing that is is, is a big challenge. Can I ask has that pandemic impacted the project and how has it impacted the project if it has? 
staff have been shifted around the focus has had to change over time for them and we are still trying to get on with the backlog of work that has been created through the pandemic there is a great focus on that work at the moment and so when we are asking people to think about the redesigning of their clinical pathways or asking them to come to particular meetings their time is pretty limited and we don't have any carved out time for them to do that so I work very closely with Carrie Symington so her and I are now trying to get to go along to some of the meetings that are already been established so that we can have these conversations about crucial points and times during the project phase so that we make sure that their voices are being heard and listened to so they do get incorporated but yes the, the freeing up of time for people to have the thoughts about what, what they want their services to look and how they think they are going to work for them is a particular challenge and there isn't an easy solution for that other than us trying to go out more to engage with people. Jane Hugo do you have anything to add? So, so one of the things that's been really interesting I mean it has made us think really hard about how we deliver care but actually one of the things that's been interesting is it's made things in a way look a bit more realistic that people were a bit skeptical about so for example you know we were saying right from the beginning well we want to change the way that we manage people so they don't have to come to hospital so often uh, actually that we think that we can see more than half of our patients in a sort of virtual way either with video or telephone consultations or by giving them treatment in other locations and so on and people were initially very skeptical of that but of course now that's exactly what everybody has been doing as a result of the pandemic and people have realized that it actually it is possible so in that sense it's sort of helped it's also focused people's minds on the problem of transmission within hospital of infectious diseases. Now we've always known that's a problem with traditional infectious diseases like norovirus, Clostridium difficile and others. And we have been able to manage it reasonably well, but even so one gets periodic outbreaks within hospital. That's not a problem that completely goes away, but it's massively reduced by having modern facilities with single rooms and with frequent air changes. So. I think that in a way has been helpful because we've been able to say, look, you can see how this has happened with COVID-19 in terms of a pandemic, but actually it's a real problem anyway with other diseases, viral diseases and haematology patients, you know, influenza, parainfluenza viruses and so on. So from that point of view, it's also been quite helpful, I think. The downside is that coming out of the pandemic on a purely practical basis, the building cost inflation has gone up very significantly so one has to be careful about costs rising out of proportion there have been let's say ups and downs but on the whole actually I think the pandemic has focused some of the key advantages of this hospital and brought them out the, the power of genomics I think that's really come into the public consciousness through the sequencing of the coronavirus that's something obviously that has significant applications in the sort of work we're going to be doing as well absolutely my final question really want to bring it back to the patients and I wonder if each of you could give your perspective on what will it mean for patients to be treated in this new hospital? Jean do you want to give us your thoughts? I hope that for patients it will mean that they come to a hospital where they believe that they will get the best possible care available in the world and that it will be care that will be communicated to them clearly it will be focused on them as an individual 
for their specific disease and that they will understand the value of their contribution to research should they wish to do so and, and actually for certainly in the breast program we find that more than 85 percent of our patients take part in some kind of research and actually just going back to the covid question we actually surveyed our patients that came through the breast unit during the covid period and the one feature that was absolutely clear was they all felt that research needed to continue and the value of research. So I think that we really want to engage our patients in developing an integrated and patient-focused healthcare system that has value beyond Cambridge. And I hope that's what the patients see and feel when they come into the hospital. It's such a positive message. Hugo, can I get your thoughts on that? My profound hope uh, is that the main impact of this hospital will be that a whole lot of people will never have to go to hospital as a result of it, including this one. So that the impact it will have on them will be unseen because they will have a cancer or precancerous diagnosis made, something treated, hopefully in the community or somewhere else, that will mean that they never ever have to come to a cancer hospital to have treatment. And that would be the biggest and most profound impact that we could possibly have. For people who do unfortunately have to come through our doors, I would like to think that the experience will be as, I hesitate to use the word good, but as good as it can be for them. And that involves a whole lot of things. We can do a lot with digital, but actually I'm talking about personal contact and personal support for people in an environment that makes them feel comfortable and services that enable us to really tailor what they need to what we have. And as I say, something that will enable us to support not only our own network of places that we deliver chemotherapy, for example, in GP surgeries, but also across the broader region so that somebody having treatment in Great Yarmouth or in Peterborough will be able to have access to the same level of expertise on some of these complex questions as a patient having treatment in Cambridge. And Elaine, let's finish with your thoughts. Thank you. Very similar to Jean Hugo, very much hopeful that this new building will create an environment where the experience of people coming there for treatment will be much better than it is currently. And I feel really quite confident about that because we have already before this building, we have been working really closely with our patients within cancer services at the hospital. We have the Cancer Patient Partnership Group and then when we moved into the whole project stage, we set up a patient advisory group and we now have patients that sit on our different work streams and also sitting in working groups. So it's really embedding patient voice into the design and delivery of this building. And by listening to them from the start, it should be that when people come into this building, it will become natural for them and for the staff in there to have a culture of inclusion so that will be that friendly face when they arrive that will help to support them but also the digital provision for some patients that feel that perhaps are more regular attenders and they already know the way to where they need to be we've learned that there isn't going to be one size that fits all we need flexibility around how we will ensure that the experience for different types of patients groups is there and we've been doing a lot of work also to increase the diversity of patients that are involved in that work so that it's representative not just of a certain subset of patients but also people from different ethnic diversity groups, gender types etc. For me that really already gives me a lot of confidence that when this building opens we 
will be providing that improved experience of care just by the way that we have been working in partnership and also um, as we've known from previous buildings guys in London they have continued with that and I'm very confident that we will continue that it won't be a, an end of that journey we'll have those patient voices and we'll continue with this principle of co-production throughout the building and always be refining and adjusting for patients so that we make sure that their experience is as good as it can be. Thank you so much to all three of you for joining me on this podcast today. It's been so exciting to talk to you about this project and I'm really excited to see how it develops and see it opening its doors hopefully in 2026. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. Bye. If you want to find out more about the work of the Mark Foundation Institute for Integrated Cancer Medicine, please visit our website at www.integratedcancermedicine.org, where you can find details of the ICM vision, all the current research, clinical trials, resources, publications and team information. You can keep up to date with our latest news and events and you can also sign up for our newsletter. If you would like more information about the work of the CRUK Cambridge Centre, please go to www.cirukcambridgecentre.org.uk or you can connect with us on Twitter using our handle at CRUKCAM Centre. Thanks for listening and do join us again soon.